Hey, hey now, you're listening to Outside Radio. Malweni, hello, hey to everyone. <laughs> to everyone listening, welcome back to Ugly Girls Club. It's been a while, I know I've been terrible. Um, I've disappeared from you guys and I'm so sorry about that. We've had some disappointments and schedules being so hectic. Um, but we're back. We're back with uh, awesome convo, which I'm super excited to share with you um, listening a little bit later. But just so you don't forget to also check us out on Outside Radio Check us out on Instagram at outside radio underscore or small um, small letters um, no space underscore. You can find us. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, IUNFM, and Google Podcasts. Catch our mixtapes on SoundCloud, and you can also find us on YouTube. You can find all our links in our Instagram bio. So check it out. Go check our website. There's some really cool content on there as well. So please just, you know, show Outside Radio some love. Show Ugly Girls Club some love. We'd really appreciate that. And lastly, I'd just like to thank everyone for supporting Outside Radio and especially the Ugly Girls Club family. I know we come from far. Like when I think about where we when we started last year around this time, um, it was COVID. No one knew it was coming. I didn't know it was coming. But hey, we're here now. So I'd like to thank every single one of you um, who's participated in the journey. I'm truly grateful and thankful. So because I've been gone for a while, I thought I should do a little treat, a little something special for you. This week, we'll be going through the motions of agony, laughter, and the music that accompanies us during these different moments in our lifetime and times, you know, um, and talking through all of this with me as a special Sambaori, <laughs> all the way from the America. <laughs> um, she's a, okay, I'm not going to fully introduce her because what I like to do here on Outside Radio is to have the guest because, you know, I feel like women never get an opportunity to say who they are, like with their full on chest. You know, um, so what we do is we let the guests introduce themselves, who they are, what they do, and what makes them tick. So you have the you have the floor, Celeste. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nico, for um, reaching out to me. I I wasn't expecting anything like this in the future, in the near future, before you contacted me. So it was really nice. I felt really special that you'd wanted me to have a conversation. <laughs> so thanks for that. Um, I'm Bomboncito. That's my ha- Instagram handle and my street name. It's my body-friendly endearment that means marshmallow in Spanish or um, sweetie. Because <laughs> a, a bonbon is a marshmallow. <laughs> so oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that, that became my DJ name. Yes. Oh, that's so sweet. 
Yeah. So either people call me by my middle name, which is Celeste, or they call me Bombon, whichever. I answer to anything. So, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm reporting live from New York <laughs> currently. <laughs> so I'm stuck out here, but it's it's all right. Um, I'm not too far from you now. So, yeah. Since you're you're probably like a 12 hour flight from here, but. Anyways, thank you so much for the chance. You you know how to make people feel special. Thank you for that inclusion. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, like I, <laughs> when we had our chat, I was like, "You're amazing. I love everything that you do." You know, um, and I mean, I've been following you for like quite some time now. Um, yeah. So you know, um, we met on Instagram, by the way, um, randomly. <laughs> Um, and I think I inboxed you like I feel like we should be pen pals <laughs> yeah no we we definitely had a couple combos about that and it's always interesting to see you know what other people are doing outside of these borders so it's it's yeah. great I, I'm glad that the internet exists okay. it's good and bad <laughs> yeah so we'll take the positive for today <laughs> we'll take the yeah. positive so what does um, Bon Bon do? I mean, you said you, you're a DJ. What else is on your roster? Um, what you do in your spare time? You can also talk about maybe some of your professional goals. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, well, I was involved heavily with Chulita Vinyl Club back in, uh, in Orange County, which is 20 miles south of LA in California. And I was with them for a couple of years. You know, I wasn't the star of the show. Nobody is. It's a female fronted, a DJ collective of, you know, women of color or anybody who identifies, you know, there's no, no specific standard other than I assume you can't be a man. So, <laughs> um, you know, they play music for everyone. We play a little bit of um, different genres. There's a lot of talented folks on there. Currently, I'm on a hiatus. I feel like I have a lot of soul search to do. So I, I gave that a break. But other than that, music is always accompanying me, whether it's the city of the sound or the sound of the city, I mean, or my headphones. Got cool playlists on there. But I, I collect records. I love um, a lot of different types of music, but mainly my collection is based on soul music. Um, I have a very deep connection to it. I think since I was a child, it, there's just something very inherent that appeals to me with the music. I came to New York originally to audition for Saturday Night Live. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but <laughs> an improv <laughs> show that is airing, that airs on, on NBC channel back here in the States. And it's basically, you know, improv. They do a lot of comedy sketch stuff and I, I really love doing that. I do stand up also. I'd like to think I'm a comedian hopeful because I don't think I've had a real shot at you know gearing a crowd other than my followers and my mom. <laughs> but um you know it's COVID. Things aren't that funny right now. So I'm just gonna play it out as it comes and just gear up for when things are ready to open. Oh yeah. Yeah, and especially, um, like you said, like the climate now with COVID, um, also politically, um, that side as well is quite, there's a lot of change going on, you know, um, 
it's it's just a it's a weird time the world is sort of opening not opening um access you know um it has become less and less for certain people you know it's just a it's a weird time i think across across the board and also like i find it so cool that because for us i mean snl we watch it we love it you know um google it to youtube you know be out here um but you have such like close proximity to it i think that's like the i think like it's the for someone who's not there you know like the magic about it i don't know um but just mm-hmm. to like a brief um description for the listeners like how what was that expert like the adrenaline the prep you know just how how did that feel well i mean i'm no i am no i'm not new to to adapting to new places i'm an immigrant i was born in mexico morelia michoacan which is very very southwest <laughs> of mexico and you know i I grew up knowing that I just had to adapt and that's you know how we were raised my my family was very hard working and you know my parent I come from a long line of entertainers so right off the bat you know my my nurture was through you know joy through like trying to find the light in like a tough moment you know my dad was he raised me primarily my, my mother worked more than my father and you know he's 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 a jokester my dad is like an mc he did a little bit of acting back in the rancho which is a little village that's how we say village in spanish and you know he used to host events and so my dad has like that party ambience and i grew up watching him idolizing him almost you know it's very strange i'm very feminist but to i grew up with that that type of figure where I saw the neutrality in my gender, you know, where I could be both, you know, femme and super mask, but a little balance of both. But anywho, um, you know, we migrated to the U.S. and living through the struggle, the U.S. never, California never felt like my home per se. You know, I, I was always looking for something else. I was always seeking something new, something that made me feel alive, you know, I I don't know, just briefly, I, I've lived with depression my whole life. And there are intervals, right? There's happy days, bad days, terrible days, amazing days. That's just how the ball rolls for some. And that's how my, my you know, my brain chemicals worked. <laughs> I, I escaped with music and movies and film and, and, and the history of film and history of music. It was, it was great. It wasn't until I started watching, you know, SNL more as a teenager that I, I just fell so in love with it. I used to do skits with my sisters all the time. And I figured, you know, I'm an immigrant. Like, I've, I've done this before. Maybe I don't remember the struggle as much, right? Because I was a baby when I came to the U.S. But moving to New York was very, it was almost symbolic. It was like the second migration for me. Like, I, there was an impulse. I definitely felt an impulse and a calling to like move like go create something go do something with your time all your cousins are having babies everybody's getting married and no it's not your turn yet i guess or maybe it's not in the cards for you you know i, I don't have a solid degree i i have all this you know skills and all this all this 
experiences that I I feel like maybe I have a shot at something, you know. If I don't if I aim at the moon and land on the stars at least, you know, it's it's something. And I, I was willing to take the risk of just packing my bags and and taking off. My my parents were against it and and I reminded them like, "Hey, we 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 did this one time." You know, and it worked out all right for us, thankfully. You know, we have to be very I have to honor that experience through through doing it my my own way like taking my time and you know it, it's tough like especially being a woman out there on the road it was you know i was scared that maybe i would get a flat tire or <laughs> we would be so eaten by coyotes across the country <laughs> yeah wild okay that's cool <laughs> it's about like 3500 miles from california to new york mm. and you know it's it's so how many days it's a lot <laughs> like how many days were you on the road um were you by yourself did you pick up a no. friend along the way so well, one of my friends a really good friend of mine Laura she's also from Chulita Vinyl Club Laura Sefue um she was going to grad school and she was going through this you know moment of like oh my god i can't believe i'm going to pack up and leave you know and i i just decided like hey you know what I want to leave with you. Like it was a moment of epiphany like let's go. I'll take you. I have my car. I had a brand new car at the time. I had financed my first car, which wasn't the smartest thing. It's <laughs> like to New York cuz everybody's on foot, you know, nobody has a car out here. It's definitely a not a commodity. So we we packed our bags and we left. You know, we have a very sisterly bond and it's very you know i was it was great that she came along with me because we kind of had each other you know and if we ever felt lonely or anything of that you know and, and on the negative side we were there to kind of hype each other and remind each other what we came here for so i i appreciate her for seeing my vision and and hyping me as well you know i i have i have heard a think that i'm still i'm still doing all right over here cuz she she supported me throughout the whole thing so We were driving taking turns and it took us like 3 days to get here which is very like little time. <laughs> we we would take naps and we would just keep driving and and drinking coffee and smoking a little reefer and ganja and weed. <laughs> All the words you want to call it. We were just chilling and trying to get there as fast as we could. So it, it was just like our adrenaline was like we need to get our foot in new york that's it like we just need to be there now <laughs> so that that was great it was nice to share that with her and we're still acquainted and we still see each other you know it's so it's good but um this it's a lot <laughs> driving over here and then finding a place it, you know we were we did this in a very like fast fashion we weren't really like it wasn't like a year's plan <laughs> yeah yeah it's a lot oh that's cool well, for me at least i think she was more prepared but i made it it's okay yeah like you you settled now you you made it through you yeah. are a new yorker like is that safe to say you know what i i you know i embrace that now a little more before i used to be a little more imposter syndrome about it about how no you know i i can't i don't want to hood hop that's how we call it over here when you go from one place to the next but um i embrace new york because i've been through a lot here 
everybody will go through something that's out of a movie here. I guarantee you, if you ever come visit, I'm just going to tell you fair warning. Something out of a movie will happen to you at least once here. <laughs> Even if you're just visiting. It's, it's very rambunctious. The city is, is crazy. <laughs> and then just to go back um, to, to your background, you know, coming from Mexico and, and moving to the West Coast. So you basically grew up in America. Um, you grew up American, basically. Um, but yet you, you still felt different from the people around you. Um, do you care explaining that a little bit more? Um, what that felt like? Uh, well, my house was always little Mexico. Like, yeah, I had to assimilate. I had to learn English. And a lot of people don't know this about me. I don't, I'm not really proud of this, but I didn't know how to read or speak proper English till I was like in middle school. And it usually takes people like lesser time, but I had a very hard time, you know, getting down the mannerisms and everything. Because, I mean, you go home and you forget all about homework and you're just wanting to hang out with your siblings or watching something on the TV. Like, it was it was very hard for me. But also, um, it's like different, right? So, yeah. It's culture shock. Every yeah, day. So there we go. Yeah. You know, from like how you grew up in the household and what you have to go to at school you know that makes it makes sense i was bullied a lot i was bullied because i was brown i had curly frizzy hair all the time i just didn't look like the average mexican you know and i i got a lot of i got a lot of unknown hate from kids you know they just don't know how to react to people that are different than them mm-hmm. even from teachers as well like i felt like there wasn't really anybody I could relate to unless it was like a fictional character <laughs> and that's something that always pushed me to keep going and, and you know occupy my time with better things like music I joined the orchestra at an early age um, my first I, I was in love with music since I was a kid and it, I think I just inherited that from my family like everybody was a musician of some kind And my mom, obviously, when you come to the States, you kind of have to give up one dream to fulfill another, which is your sustainability. So I just know that from from the get-go. Like, you might have to sacrifice something that you want to do at times. It's like an immigrant, you know, mentality where you got to prioritize. What do you want to do? You want (laughs) to risk it for the biscuit? You want to go full throttle and still pursue your dreams? Or do you want to stabilize yourself first? And some people don't ever get to fulfill their passion, you know? So I'm very privileged to say that it, although it's like blood, sweat, and tears, I'm happy where I'm at and I can appreciate the hustle, you know? And I appreciate the people who bullied me. I appreciate them because if it weren't for them, I would have just been very average. I would have followed trends. I would have been in and out of like very bad situations that I didn't need, you know? I, I just had to to know how to silence those people and understand that they don't know what they're doing. Mm. I grew up learning that it was more racism than people, kids being mean, you know, and kids grow up thinking like that's okay. So I'm still, you know, like, I feel like I still 
see those type of people in adult size. So yeah. it's it's hard, you know, but I, I'm just tougher now as I'm a big kid. <laughs> yeah, no, so it's, cool. it's like those dinner table conversations. Um, we like to say, my friends and I, like um, some people white people, be specific. <laughs> in our case, um, specifically, that's um, our biggest transgressor. Have these dinner table conversations at like four five years old and then they come to school um and they bring these learned mentalities to school to like torment and then obviously um some people learn better do better but most don't and grow up with these Mm -hmm. um ideas and rhetorics in their minds that aren't true you know how 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 did you get into orchestra um you already said like your family was really into music but when you were at school what were you walking past like the music department and you're like i'd be really interested or a different story happened so i mean my parents are older they're they're from an older generation they're they were born in the 60s so a lot of the music that I inherited from them just by hearing what they like was, you know, music from the 70s, the 80s, even before their time too. And I just grew up listening to that. I feel like they wanted nostalgia in a new country. They wanted to feel like it was home. And I had really good exposure, I think, to their, to home. And so my first instrument was a piano. I was three years old. And I was a very noisy kid and I still am. (laughs) I love just having a soundtrack or having, I love sounds. And my dad bought me a piano, a little piano, and I would play on it very often and just try to mess with the the little effects that I had on it. And I've always been drawn to instruments just from from a cartoon or a movie. It was always something that I wanted to do and I felt like I could be good at it. You know, I felt like if I practiced, I could do it. So I just, you know, one day they offered classes at my elementary school. I signed myself up for the least popular instrument, which was the viola, which is deeper than the violin. It's between the violin and the cello. It's in the bass section. And I went, I ran with it and I fell in love with the instrument. It was big like me. I was a big kid. I was a chubby girl all my life. So I... There was only four violas and about like 27 violins, I remember. It was ridiculous. So we had to have a beefy, you know, beefy sound. We had to contribute a beefy part of the music. And I loved it. I loved being standing out from being among the masses. Like it was, it did something to my personality for sure. I started realizing that you you don't have to go with the wave, you know. Going against the current is okay too. So I fell in love with it. I recently, literally in the past month, I bought a viola off a guy on offer up for 50 bucks. I don't know what that equivalent, what that's equivalent to in, in your currency, but $50 is, is very affordable for a viola. And I'm thinking of picking it up again. I have the same enthusiasm that I did when I was a kid and, and I just want to do it again. Just, you know, to pass time or maybe join an orchestra. I, I'm not quite sure where I'm going to go with that, but I do want a pastime like that to kind of just 
chill out and rock out too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So $50 is about 730 rand here. So it's like, I mean, it's uh, affordable, I guess, depending where you are. But it's, <laughs> I it's, know. it's yeah. Um, but yeah, that's not bad. That's actually a steal, actually. No, they go for like two hundred, almost a thousand dollars. That's the scale, average mm-hmm. scale. So that's I'm like, eh, yeah, this, this is a steal. Gonna do it. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's so interesting um, as you get older, because like so many things happen in life, right? Then you drop some things, you pick up new things, and you drop those as well. Um, there's a sense of going back to those things that you've always loved doing that brought you joy when you were younger the same thing myself i want to go because i used to be a drama student and i really loved improv <laughs> that was like my favorite because i hated learning lines and i thought i was the funniest person ever and so i just wanted to do improv all the time so i'm looking into going back into improv so that's interesting oh, do it. that's awesome yes. you're doing the exact same thing going back to what you loved and what what was peace for you when you were younger and most of a place of confidence as well you know like that's 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 super interesting and then mm-hmm. you know just for the listeners you you do go back home right in in Mexico and if so like how often do you go back home i honestly i don't visit as much as i'd like to um mexico there are like certain safety issues when it comes to mexico that i never wanted to admit cuz to me i go to my where my dad's from he lives in a little very humble village you know they barely got an asphalted road just to give you an example of like how humble like that that village used to be they used to have outhouses and it was a simple life to me that was like so beautiful like just that experience as a kid when i first visited mexico it was like wow you know this is this is great this is freeing this is wonderful and the city is no is no good like <laughs> compared to being out in the open you know So I go maybe like I've only been 3 times in my life since I moved from there. Mm. And every time is different. I see that like it's like 10 years apart almost that I've gone and every time I go there's something new. You know like now there's electricity, now there's running water like you just see the changes with the times like it's it's really interesting. It's it's it makes me sad sometimes but you know I guess sometimes it's necessary for like quote unquote underdeveloped countries and and you know states to have their their necessities met but uh, I wish I could go more often <laughs> so beautiful you spoke about you coming across you at school the music the the different angst you've gone through um so far in life and then how did all of these experiences lead you to go work in NGO um in working for the people how 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 what what took you there from your life experiences at the time oh yeah um Well, it started 
with my dad helping me with my homework once. I was a kid and I was very, I was not a good student. I had a learning disability and my dad was the only one that understood that. So instead of being like typical parents who help their children, you know, my dad didn't speak English. So he decided to take his lesson and make it his own and tell me the true story about what happened to the United States. You know, he started, my dad started decolonializing me at a very young age, you know, he's from the village. He didn't have shoes till he was 13. So the man has a story to tell, you know. I always found it very fascinating how my dad can go from like being, a, you know, a man in the streets dealing with daily life to being a father of three, three daughters. So, you know, my parents were very, very liberal people. Um, and my father would share stories about how, you know, the first president of Mexico was assassinated. He would be very, you know, very honest and brutal about what, what was happening. And I was a kid and I was like, holy moly, this was before September 11. You know, this was before we started seeing things on the media from my generation. So, you know, I, I saw my parents volunteer a lot. It started there and I understood why they thought the way they did and why they did things for the greater good. You know, I grew up with a very lovely example of what what it is to be, quote unquote, a good Samaritan, you know, a, a good neighbor, a, a person who helps in the family. And my parents are those people, you know, I they are the eldest of their family. They're the, the people that crossed over first and then everybody came on top of their backs. You know, they, they were able to create that that uh, shelter for people and I just knew that sharing space literally in the literal form and sharing space emotionally like counseling you know my parents are they do all these things and I just you know it's just in my nature I don't I don't think about it twice about helping I, I've been I used to go you know my dad started with the punk ideology I grew very fond of punk music as a kid and it was, sucks that it was very primarily white. Mm. You know, where I lived, it was very like white kid punk. But there was also a lot of brown and black kids that were doing punk stuff. And they were in the punk scene. So it was very, it was awesome. It was a great union and a force, you know, that they, that they, we would have spaces. We could have a safe space to be young and free and reckless and whatever we wanted to do artistically. Um, there was a space called El Centro Cultural de México. I used to go to shows there, like little music shows when I was a kid. 13 was my first show when I was 13, 12, 13. And I just kept going to this space and, and I saw the people that worked there. They they all were super cool and, and very laid back. You know, I never seen folks like this before. Like they were so mellow, so inviting. You know, nobody was was, was breathing down your neck about little things or rules. It was very community involved and surely enough somehow like I, I became involved I started seeking out for a project that in college I was in my second year of college and you know they were very inviting and, and I was like oh my god this is what I what I want to do and what I've been doing my whole life so I started getting involved and, and it was great to be a community leader and to give my time in that way but it was also very taxing it was a lot to deal with, with, you know, traditional 
the folks that were already established in the in the nonprofit before you know they have their ideals and then here come the new kids with their new progression ideas not to say they were wrong or we were wrong but there was a lot of clashing of opinions and that's where things get ugly you know like I started a radio show there with them. I started a podcast and I started doing a history segment on on soul music alongside my my co-host. He did a funk segment. He he didn't do any talking. I did a lot of like you know little did you know fact like interesting fun facts about the certain of the 45 um records I would play. Mm-hmm. And then it got difficult to be in the space. You know, it got difficult because I started seeing how if you're not leaning towards one side or the other, you know, people are going to talk and that's anywhere, right? Like yeah. things become very political and they stop being about what it was originally about. And then we got all these labels and it's like, well, it's necessary and then it's also very constricting. So it's a love and hate thing. Um I've grown a lot from there. What I what I learned is setting boundaries and respecting them. with other people with my loved ones and and knowing when to say when like it's it's a lot i appreciate the community organizers that are still you know they're still doing their thing and they went beyond their comfort to to continue doing that community work because it's necessary right i'm not saying it's over for me but it's also like i needed to focus on myself you know it made me learn that i had a lot of inner work to do and a lot of fulfillment for for me to be well enough to go back into into the game you know so who knows i i might do some community work in the future <laughs> some free improv classes maybe i don't know but something yeah, i and cool. get back yeah it would be cool cuz i'm sure like the community would love to do that like there's so many kids in the community who who want that experience and you don't necessarily have to align yeah to an NGO you can just do it as yourself like one right. and proud you know yeah i mean mental health you know and with you you know with the NGO work like you said it was taxing um and even having to go to work while you were sick you know like how 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 did that play out for you and your mental health in general oddly oddly very odd that i say this and i think other people that live with anxiety and depression can relate especially if you known about it through your childhood that th- these certain feelings are what anxiety is it makes you nervous panicky you start understanding yourself a little more and you start setting boundaries to what you can accept and what you deny. So when I had covid and I was recovering and going to work, I had to stop when I got sick actually. No, let me go back. Let me go to the point where I got sick. That's where I learned how to cope with my anxiety because I had to balance the logic and the irrational thoughts of anxiety and being like, "Oh my god, what is this? It's going to kill me." It's I had to really put effort into into trying to to configure what I was going to do cuz I noticed when I would get nervous you know when I would start getting panicky and thinking something bad was going to happen to me my heart began to race my body began to feel something and that's when it, I became more connected with myself through my body was was like oh my gosh 
it would be so unfortunate to have a panic attack right now while I have COVID. I'm having the complications that everybody's having on the worst scale, you know, like I needed to ground myself immediately. There was no time for me to take a therapy session. Nobody was working. You know, like literally I watched a movie last night called I Am Legend about a virus similar. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I I freaked out a little bit. I'm like, oh my gosh, I felt what that person felt, you know, like like that you're going to die or that something terrible is going to happen. But you have to literally like take everything apart and start slowly by, you know, thinking step by step instead of like forward onward, 10 steps. And that that actually helped me through now. I know I still have, you know, moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not having a good day. It rains a lot in New York, so I have seasonal depression and the winter hit really hard. So that was very trying for me. Like it was a very trying time. And then I decided to to start microdosing. I've taken antidepressants before and I decided, you know, I think this is the best route for me. I've been doing some research. It's not for everyone. I'm not advocating for it at all. I'm not trying to be that type of person, but sure. I'm, you know, I'm just trying it out to see if this would be the right path for me, aside of like my own efforts through like working out, eating a little different only because it helps with my digestive system which helps with your overall emotional health and health it's just it's a lot you know it's a lot the fact alone of having a diet is a lot as well and I've never been that type of person Mm -hmm. to you know but I'm trying something new you know and seeing how it works for me and so far it's it's cool I, I I had to literally just gear up and try and that that it's painful but in the end, you know, sure enough, it, it'll be worth it if you give yourself a chance, really. that That's ultimately you just got to like relax and, and take a breather because anxiety will lie to you. That's all. That's my message for the day <laughs> with anxiety. It's a, it is all a lie with anxiety. And then also with like the, the, the career path you've chosen, you know, improv, um, mm-hmm. music there's always uh, you always your life is somewhat dependent on someone else you know if that makes sense um, to get you into that door um, to listen to that music or to to co-sign you you know um, mm-hmm. how 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 has that been like um, also just dealing with anxiety and then a lot of I mean, I'm not saying you're to be valid. You, it's like external validation, but just the the way the industry works, we work with mm-hmm. other people, you know, and what other people think. How has that experience been like? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Coming to New York thinking that you're going to be something special was a very big lesson for me because it's a very competitive field, theater in general. There's so many white spaces here and it's catered to white experiences that I don't have, you know, so I saw a lot of advantage in their comedy and it was both admirable, but it was also like, it made me feel like shit, you know, like 
I wasn't able to be 100% there because these people were so clever. And maybe, you know, they've had a, ta- a very, you know, terrible life. I don't know them personally, but the the energy they brought to the class was very invasive. Mm-hmm. It was very... And I, and I don't mean, I don't know who's gonna hear this if they were in my class or not. There were definitely chill white folks in there, but the teacher just alone was very like by the book, linear type of lady, where she wanted everything a specific way. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's comedy. Like you're just supposed to make somebody laugh, you know, make yeah. them feel relatable. And, and you know, she comes at me with like structure. And, and I understand, right? There needs to be a beginning, middle, and an end in the punchline. I understand. But when I had somebody kind of want me to tailor my personality, that became very, like, that clashed with my head so bad. I'm like, am I going to have to sell out? Am I going to have to tell a Jerry Seinfeld joke? You know, I don't know if you guys know who he is, but one of the most high-paying comedians in the United States he, you know, his he's known for his clean jokes. He's very mediocre. If I don't mean to uh, upset anyone, but it's very average, you know, white guy humor. Yeah. And that's the, that's the type of environment that people trend out here. You know, we don't. There was a lot of jokes about being woke, a lot of jokes about being conscious, and it was like, okay, yes and no. I understand, but it just kind of discredits everything I've ever worked for so definitely I wasn't expecting that I thought people would appreciate that I was different you know I brought something new to the table I'm very eccentric and avant-garde in in my language I don't know if you can tell but I just kind of ramble on at times (laughs) and when somebody tells me I have to wear like a skeleton outside of my body to keep me straighter like that just it messed with me artistically I'm like oh my gosh it made me question like I'm not fit for this this is not what I can do and then I started going into more brown black and brown spaces where people were more like me and I'm like okay you know I don't want to leave I don't want to act like I'm being left out yeah at all because I still have a privilege as well you know I have to recognize where I come from and just I have to be my own hero sometimes you know these these people will will <laughs> make you the the people that are highly paid these people that come from really good collegiate like academies will make you feel like you're shit you're not shit right. but you know you you bring something unique and special i'm i'm from a different type of hood you know i'm not from here where i was in the up uh, in hell's kitchen in new york at the ucb academy which closed down permanently now mm-hmm. which was essentially where all the uh, saturday night live heads were being scouted from you know i i had big dreams i'm telling you nico i for some reason i thought somebody was gonna be like wow you're so different which was the truth i i stood out in the crowd of people there it just wasn't as diverse as i expected it to be but you know pick and choose like there are different academies that could have gone to more local stuff more affordable yeah (laughs) so life lesson you know just because it's branded doesn't mean it's worth it Yes, it doesn't mean like the one because also um, when we go into the spaces, it's actually an act of violence towards us. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was talking about this with this uh, dancer, and um, they were saying that um, they like going into like spaces where 
they have to conquer you know um, right they have to be better than the white person you know you're going to show <laughs> the white person i can do this you know but then at the same time after you've shown everyone you can how has that left you the whole process you know intimidating it's intimidating until you break through thinking for others and you're like you know what i'm just going to give it my all and if they love me or they hate me whatever they're going to remember me <laughs> because either i was terrible or i was great and this all that matters it's all in trying and i'm not afraid of ridicule being ridiculed i'm not afraid of being myself so you know i took the chance and i admitted to all of them you know i don't think as fast as all of you you guys are very <laughs> i made it a point across to to say i recognize that you are very excelled you're very proficient at what you do in advanced seasoned. but um <laughs> we all bring something right very seasoned <laughs> but we all bring something special to the table yeah. and uh, i'm gonna clap for myself if you're not gonna clap for me so bye <laughs> yes like you did that you went through that experience you know and you you came through like the other side like other people probably would have stopped you know they would have been like mm-hmm. oh my gosh that was like such um a jarring experience it's like i don't want to do this anymore so you know clicks to you sister speaking for my clicks hey. <laughs> um, hopefully we can age together one day and do an improv yeah. all of this i'm down i'm i'm here for it <laughs> and then also like the the idea of selling out you know um is it cuz like you said like being on SNL is like a dream of yours you know <laughs> is it still like selling out if it's like a dream you know you know what with finances and all of that i don't mind <laughs> i don't mind at all because i think if if i were to ever had have the chance to be on on SNL even as a writer it would have been i i would have been able to represent my own you know and and give that I always said I wanted to be the first Mexican on SNL because they haven't had a brown person mm. of like Latin Latinx um background that is actually on a part of the cast. You know, they have other people doing brown face. <laughs> they have half people that are half brown or half something doing full like personalities that are very ethnic. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be like, well, I want to be the actual Mexican person to be on there. Mm-hmm. They finally had their first person who is Mexican of Mexican descent but she looks like a white girl like she plays white roles and it's so you know if she were to play um a, a character of latino that next descent um it just wouldn't go because she would be it would be like committing brownface you know like it's it's yeah. so interesting i don't know i'm just like i still want to do it i'm going to try to see how you know that works i think they scout people through instagram now You know how that's very like very popular now people do their skits and it's it's awesome but um I I definitely I don't care about selling out at this point. <laughs> If I could make the money, take the secure the bag and give back, I I would do it. <laughs> yeah, and I think also um if selling out also oh, it's such a it's so tough um when Um, especially like 
for us growing up, I'm sure now kids younger than us um, have like different spaces, um, different. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more content um, catering to our diversities. Um, it's like for us, like I'll make an example with you with SNL. Like that's what we grew up watching, and then like that was like the big thing, you know. So it's like if you made that commitment, that promise to yourself when you were like 16, um, is that selling out, you know? And also selling out, I feel like it's also like a personality thing. Like, I know, right? Like artistic integrity. Like, yeah, I can't. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. 50% yes, 50% no. I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay, I'm not judging you. I am not judging <laughs> you at all. I think to also just talk about body politics in these spaces. Like how, how has it been, um, especially like in comedy, um, stand-up in itself, um, when, you, when, when you have had the opportunity to do it. Um, and also within these classes, like how, how has it been? And also is it different in different spaces? Are you more accepted in different spaces? Like body politics, are they more looser in different spaces than others? You know, how, how, how is it? Definitely from the beginning of time, there is the, I wouldn't say stigma too much, but there is a little bit of dehumanization when it comes to a fat body, a big body in comedy because they're just funny right they always say the fat guy is always the funniest which is half true but why are they funny is it because of their size is it because of what they do it's funny because they don't look like average people you know like i feel like i'm welcoming to people because of my size i feel like they don't feel intimidated by me as much or when i you know when i used to be of a heavier body type i think people were more you know, I was the comic relief. You know, I wasn't thinking about feeling like full of vanity. I wasn't doing my makeup as much when I was younger. And I was always very masculine. And in whatever I do, I'd hang out with the boys a lot. And I'd crack jokes with them all the time. So I just have that nature in me. My, my father raised me. And so I have that, that acceptance of myself. You know, I'm, I'm the comedic relief because I know what it's like to be down. And that's just, that's my inherent, like, trait. It's, I just immediately try to find something comical, you know? I, I want to strip it away from my size. I don't want to think that people see me funny because of my size. Like, that's dehumanizing. How can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So some places are more body pause, you know? They're more body posy where they're like, oh, you know, we're very inclusive and we're not sizists and, you know, that's cool to claim and, and it's very you know, welcoming. That you even have to say that also yeah. just makes me feel like, you know what, like, oh, thanks, thanks. I have a mirror. <laughs> I know how I look like, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's a lot. I'm just like, dude, just, just treat me like a human being. You know, I have problems. I actually have problems like you, you know, like... <laughs> So it's, it's interesting. There's definitely, um, I want to break that barrier within myself where like, I don't want to limit myself because I'm a little different from my body. You know, I feel like there's a lot of representation out there right now with plus size modeling and bigger bodies just being out on the billboards and magazine covers. That's really empowering to, to the community. You know, that's awesome. 
but you know like it's also like i don't want you to love me only because i'm beautiful or i don't want you to cheer for me only because i'm big you know like come on yeah yeah <laughs> Listen, i decided you know yes no you know that's why yeah how it's yeah just like at the end of the day i'm like i'm just gonna be a voice actor i want to be a voice actress because you can't see who i am at all you're, you're just looking at the cartoon and you don't know that i'm 600 pounds 200 pounds 100 pounds whatever whatever <laughs> you know i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> and also with like the positive body positivity um and you're talking about like plus size i think it's also um to add like we should also because it's always like the extreme right i don't know how you right. feel how i feel it's always the extreme and i feel like it's also i mean like there's a, a middle spectrum you know i think um in representation like everyone you know um should be seen you know like it's not always the extreme of the extreme like even when it comes to fashion like it's not always the skinniest people or the pre big girls you know like yeah exactly (sighs) that you see there's always anarchy within revolution anywhere it's like you want to promote the message of good and then you're out doing things like this you know come on like give people the visibility they deserve like just stop making it like a stop trying to have people see that you're a good person you know like cut that cut that out and just be human like gosh yeah no. and no. recognize who needs to be put in the front you know like that's it yeah you don't have to make a whole whole little debut of what no no just go on with it and and stop trying to be the hero like ugh, i hate that um i think we are at the end of the party i mean i <laughs> ask you music wise who should we like in new york or in and around in your space who should we be looking out for um that's new um but that but they revive i guess a vibe to you um music you'd like to share with us me and the listeners well there's there's a couple bands right now that are out there in new york city depending your, your taste in music you know um there's a really good soul band they're mostly based in new york they're called Duran Jones and the Indications and they're Midwest soul because some of them are located from the Midwest and they bring that sound style to New York City. And so they clash two, two city genres together because that's primarily soul. You know, you're in Philadelphia, you're in California or Texas. They all have their, their different, you know, what makes them different which is beautiful. So Duran Jones and the Indications, definitely look them up on Spotify. They're very great. I, I know them personally. Um, they're wonderful, wonderful peeps. Then there's this other band called Lethal Weapon coming up and going. They're uh, heavy metal, rock and roll type of guys. And they're very, their message is like music empowerment and freeing your soul type of thing. It's a very groundbreaking. I like, I like what they're about, and you know they're they're just trying to go against, you know that they've been going through rock and roll has has had its trials where, you know people want to do the canceling and all that which is necessary to an extent right if you're comparing something super vile to like 
a teddy bear, of course, you know, there's there's going to be some type of cancellation, but, you know, they're, they're kind of trying to be the revolution within that, that, that harshness of cancel culture, right? Where they're, they're going to be, you know, conscious about their message, but, you know, they're more free spirited about that. So that's that's cool, you know. Duran Jones and the indications for sure. And if you like, if you want something a little heavier, Lethal Weapon, based in New York, they're really cool. They have a very strong band name, but you know they're they're awesome. This sounds cool. Um, let's see. And DJs, anybody who DJs in New York, they're they're doing interesting things with their sounds. They're sampling some cool stuff. So anywhere basically but yeah new york city is known for that their diversity in, in, in culture and music and food <laughs> so yes. you'll find it all here yes. come to new york <laughs> that was my my promotional little bit <laughs> yes yes love it. um and then specifically um in queens like is there anyone that you're really vibing with like in your area vibing yeah well i live in woodside which is literally across the street from a little a little cluster of latinx folks called jackson heights and it's just like pure like diversity there like you see all types of people and it's it's like being in mexico but with a peruvian town with like ecuadorian town with a haitian town with dominican town it's really really beautiful um it's a little hard to find parking there, but you always walk in the streets and it's like you're in another country. Like it's it's really beautiful and the food is great. <laughs> they have little karaoke bars, little diving bars. It's really, really cool. It's a lot of live music everywhere. Mm, that's cool. Um, so do you have any closing words or words to depart? us with or with us yes <laughs> um before we officially say goodbye i you know what i was really nervous i was like oh my gosh i have to talk about myself it feels like a first date you know i have to say like what i'm you know it's really hard i'm very self-deprecating that's my humor and my comedy is based on like self-deprecating facts about myself and daily observations of the common shithead you know i just like to talk shit on <laughs> people that are are intentionally fucked up so it's very it's hard to not beat myself up for little things and make it a joke so i had to be like i need to tone that down <laughs> and i have to be you know nicer to myself so my my message to all is to be kind and be soft on yourself because you'll get where you need to be if it's meant to be you know you can manifest anything into reality and i believe in that so stay true to your dream and work for it so you don't have to work hard ever yes yes <laughs> yes <laughs> I like that. sparkles sparkles, sparkles. glitter <laughs> <laughs> I like that be kind to yourself um, and like, especially as creators I think we're very like hard on ourselves um, is it perfect am I perfect you know right am I worth it there's a lot of those chats no yes you are <laughs> you know there's just a lot of those chats so I like that I like that Thank you so much uh, for being on the Thank show. Thank you for having me. Hey.
this was actually super exciting i really liked the the convo because it's like super nice free flow you know mm-hmm. and i really hope people learned something laughed a little um you know and you know feeling you after the chat because i'm 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 good <laughs> where can people find you sorry before i say goodbye goodbye you guys can follow me on instagram I, my handle is bomboncito it's b the number zero m b o n s i t o follow me i'm friendly <laughs> and i post a lot of food videos so follow me thank you so much everyone for listening to the show i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did thanks to celeste as well for being on i know you're super busy and thanks for giving us this time to engage and chat and and just relax and be free you know thank you thank you right. so much um you can find outside radio on instagram and you'll find all of our links there as well this is nico and i'm out for ugly girls club goodbye <laughs> bye